What's up, planner lovers? It's your girl, Sharice, and I'm back for this week's episode of the Plan on Purpose podcast. This week, I'm really excited for the episode because I had the opportunity to have a conversation with someone I met many moons ago. Her name is Tony Lipsy, and we went to college together. And who would have guessed that we would come full circle and be two crafters on the podcast, having a conversation about the things we love to do. She's built her brand, TL Yarn Crafts, into this amazing business that allowed her to really step outside of her comfort zone and do what she loves every day. If you don't already know her, make sure that you listen to this whole conversation to find out exactly how she went from crafting as a way to de-stress and really hold on to some things as a lot of change was happening in her life to building this amazing brand where she partners with different businesses, she teaches, and yet she's selling her own crochet patterns. I mean, just bomb. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you share with a friend. Head over to Instagram at Plan on Purpose and leave a comment underneath the post and let me know exactly what you thought of today's episode. Let's get into it. I just want to say thank you so much for having, you know, taking some time to have this chat with me and talk about your business. So I am thankful again for this moment, you know, like we said, coming full circle because we met in college and I know who you are and I know what amazing things you do, but introduce yourself to my audience. My pleasure. And thank you for the invitation. So my name is Tony Lipsy. I'm the crochet designer and educator behind TL Yarn Crafts, which is a crochet kind of design and pattern brand. So I focus on creating home goods, accessories, and wearables out of yarn. And uh, I really love the opportunity to cater to beginners and people who are discovering this craft for the first time, want to push their skills. Maybe they've crocheted before and are getting back into it. I really love that kind of adventurous stage that you're in when you're at the very beginning, when you're not scared to try anything. So that's what I try to accomplish with TL Yarn Crafts, really motivate and excite crochet beginners. Well, I'm really, really happy that I stumbled onto everything that you're doing on YouTube. It is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, how did you get into crochet? Yeah, so I actually learned how to crochet when I was a teenager. My mom, who is just a crafty extraordinaire, she does everything. She makes her own cards. She sews, she knits, crochets. If it's a craft, she can do it. And she blessed me with the excitement of crochet as a teenager. And uh, I learned it then, but you know, life happens. You become a teenager, you do teenage things, you go to college, you do college things. So I didn't crochet for a good while, for a good 10 years or so after I learned. And then I picked it back up uh, once I moved to Ohio. So I was kind of in a new city, new relationship, you know, not exactly a new relationship, but married for the first time, you know, everything was very new and um, crochet just kind of gave me some purpose at that point. I'm just going to skip over the fact that you said you live in Ohio because you know, <laughs> girl, it's not by choice. This is where the money was at the time. <laughs> Yo, look, you where the money reside. I'm not even mad about that. I'm not mad about that at 
all. So you're in this new place. You're you're doing your thing. You've got your new relationship. You're married. How did you know when you kind of started back crocheting that it was going to become a business for you? Um, that was that was kind of a longer process. It never really crossed my mind when I got back into crocheting that I might want to have this be a side hustle or have this even be my main job. Kind of the reason I got back into crochet was since everything was so new and tumultuous and also it was 2010, I just graduated with a graduate degree. I've got tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt and I can't find a job. So it was it was a lot of change. And it was a lot of kind of difficult situations that I wasn't used to having to deal with. I had literally turned into an adult overnight is what it felt like. And I needed some comfort. I needed some purpose. I needed some direction. I think that's why crochet came back into my life because I needed something to hold on to that felt familiar, that felt comforting. Uh, When my mom taught me how to crochet, it was a really great bonding experience. And at that point, it was the first time I'd lived outside of my parents' house, not including college, you know? So I was so far away from the things that typically brought me comfort that something like crochet was just, it it was wrapped up in a lot of great memories. Um, And even besides that, I was and still am really motivated and excited by the idea of turning those raw materials, like a ball of yarn into something that's usable and wearable. And I held that really close at the time because I didn't feel like I was being productive in my personal life or in my professional life. So I just really needed something that made me feel like I was contributing, that I was actually doing something. Isn't that like, I think that's it for like creatives just in general, right? Like we, we love, especially people who make handmade things, like I'm a paper crafter. And when you just see a piece of paper or you see a certain thing and you're like, "Mm, I could turn this into Mm -hmm. that, or I could make this, or it just really, it brings, it's something, it gives you something. It does. Riding that wave of inspiration, I think is where a lot of creatives get their energy from. Like to a degree, I, I love the process of having that finished thing of being able to look at it and feeling accomplished. But the, the, the process of going from a, a material to actually making it, like that's where I gather my energy. That's why I just love to crochet in general. That's why it was a hobby well before it was a business. But even when I'm not crocheting for my work, I'm still crocheting because I love it as a process. And I think us as creatives, we really harness that energy of just being a maker. Now, I do know that a lot of people who have these side hustles that or you know they've turned it into a full-time thing that are creatives whether it's designers painters people who craft I've heard oftentimes that what happen is what happens is they get turned off from it being a hobby because it is a business and it kind of changes has that happened to you and and did it change and if it did how did you handle it I think there was definitely a period where I was just getting burnt out with crocheting because the the business was starting to grow. And I think anytime you have something that you love and have a passion for and it kind of gets usurped by responsibilities and deadlines, you can definitely feel like, man, I don't even really feel like I love this anymore. But I would challenge somebody in that position and be like, I don't think it's you that you don't love the craft. You don't love the circumstance that Right. put into like I've right. had those moments where I love crochet with with all my heart because it, it it means so much to me so many memories so many things that it's helped me overcome but there have been points where 
I signed up for too many commissions. I'm working with too many companies. I have too many responsibilities for videos. And now it's like, I don't want to crochet because every time I do it, I feel like I'm doing it for somebody besides myself. And I think that's the difference. So the the way that I keep myself grounded and maintain the hobby side of crochet is I always have some personal projects going. So even if I am feeling a bit overwhelmed in my business, I can go sit with this personal project and not feel obligated to share it on Instagram, not feel obligated to reach out to a company and say, hey, I've got this idea. Let's work together. Like that is my personal me time. I love that idea. I have a lot of ways that I share with my Instagram and my brand about journaling. It's a huge thing. It's something I've been doing for a long time. But I do realize that having journals that I don't uh, share on my Instagram, I may talk about them. Like yeah. in, in this instance, say I have a free writing journal. I have a five-year journal. But not sharing those pages really gives me a little bit more freedom that I guess I didn't even really think I needed because it started out like such a me thing. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, well, you're sharing this and you're sharing that. And it starts to get like where you have to make it do you think you have to make it look a certain way so I had to get out of that mm-hmm. and then also too like you know it's just my personal stuff exactly. I don't need to share I mean, all that, to, you know? I mean if you think about it we're artists at heart right like we don't we don't we don't always feel comfortable having somebody look at our stuff judge our stuff have expectations about our stuff so there's always something that you want to keep close to the chest and be like you know this is just for me it's not for anybody else and i think that's how we can maintain some balance especially when our passion becomes you know becomes income generating you have to have like a little piece that you keep just for yourself absolutely i don't think and and i think just in general as small business owners and people who are doing you know anything where it's creative there's certain part of it that you're doing for you and like nobody we don't we shouldn't have the expectations that people deserve to have every aspect of us when you're giving so much of your time and so many other things so it's good that you take those parts and keep them to yourself Mm -hmm. I think I mean I I feel like one of the reasons my business has been able to grow, especially at the pace that it has, is because I established some healthy boundaries. Like I don't show up on social media every day. I don't respond to my emails every day. There's some times that I just have to take for myself. And having that balance, having those boundaries makes it so when I've taken a day away from my business, I look forward to checking my messages. I look forward to starting a new project or commission. And, you know, I I guess I I try and give myself an opportunity to miss my business. So I get excited to go back to it. Um, But if it was just work, work, work all the time, you know, then I'd be back at that burnout phase and nobody wants that. Absolutely. Because when you're burned out, you're not serving anyone. You're not serving yourself. It's just a big old mess. It's a whole mess. Nobody wants that, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I would love to know when you started, because I'm I'm, I'm pretty, I'm going to guess that you started with your crocheting, going to craft fairs and sharing (laughs) what you're actually doing. How did you go from actually creating products to selling your designs. I think it's amazing that you sell designs. And maybe I'm just so amazed by it because like, I'm like, I couldn't even think like, first of all, I don't crochet, knit, none of it. I don't do any of it. But (laughs) the idea that you could like know enough about what you do to say, here's a design that I created to sell. Like that is, Mm -hmm. that's brilliant. How, how'd you come up with that? 
Uh, it's it's a really funny story. So um, what happened was you're you're absolutely right. I started out selling finished pieces, starting out at craft fairs. I I eventually added an Etsy shop to sell my finished pieces, and all of that was going really great. And so what happened was I was selling at shows. And I just felt like there was kind of a hole in my product line. I was missing a slouchy hat with a big old pom-pom. Like I wanted something really specific. So I started looking everywhere that I normally would get my patterns from. Because at that point, I wasn't making up designs. I was finding patterns and making them and selling the pieces. Uh, And I just could not find the exact hat that I wanted. I was like, I want a big pom-pom on it. I want a textured body. I want a ribbed brim. I want you to be able to fold up the brim. Like I was, I had all of these wants for this hat. And I think I kind of set myself up to fail because I was just being a little too specific. Uh, So eventually I was like, wow, I can't find what I want. And I just got the thought like, I know some crochets. I feel like I could figure this out. So I grabbed some books and looked at different stitches. I watched some videos about different techniques. And I eventually came up with what was my very first design, which is called the Mega Palm Beanie. And it's still one of my absolute favorites. And um, so I took this design and I started selling it at shows. It was doing really well. And then I decided to kind of start getting my Instagram game up because I wanted to start encouraging people to come to my shows. So I was posting the hat. And I was like, you know, yeah, we're going to get lots of sales. We're going to sell tons of hats. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, instead, people were like, yeah, we want to make this hat. Where's the pattern? And I was, I was like, no, no, just buy the hat. Get the hat. Like, just buy the hat. <laughs> the hat. And they're like, we don't want to buy the hat. We know how to make hats. So why would we buy a hat? And I was like, okay. You know, I'm, I didn't realize at that point, um, it, it became a realization that I was not my own customer. Like I was those people. I was the one who would look at a hat and be like, I don't want to buy it. I want to make it because I can do that myself. And putting myself in their shoes and being able to say, you know, this is something that I want, make it available and I'm going to buy it. And and that was kind of when the, the switch flipped. And I was like, huh, so I could make one hat, make 35 bucks and that transaction is over, or I could make a hat pattern and sell it for $5 in perpetuity and never have to do anything else. And I was like, that part, that part. right there. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so that was kind of where the transition happened. And, and honestly too, I did not expect to, at this point in my career, have designed over 200 pieces at that point. It was like, just get this hat out, but it snowballed. And I'm, I'm so grateful that it did because now I'm now TL yarn crafts is what it is. Yes, it is. I'm so, so basically what you're telling me is when I get my, my crochet game up, the first thing I need to do is make this hat. Like <laughs> this pattern and make this hat is what it sounds like because it sounds bomb. I was listening to you describe it. And I'm like, that do sound like a bomb hat, like a big, you know, I'm a natural girl. So like, uh-huh. you know, you got just a few little braids and then you yeah. put your little paper palm hat on. I'm ready. I'm you know what? I don't, I don't want to my own horn, but it's a pretty cute hat. You might want to check I mean, it. too, girl, too. Okay. <laughs> No, I absolutely love, like I said, everything that you're doing. And what I want to know, you know, we kind of had a little bit of this chat, but what I want to know is how did you navigate being a black woman in this space? Because I 
being a paper crafter, when I really, really got super into it, you know, we've had this discussion um, Mm -hmm. amongst our community, how we really just aren't represented. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of the shops that I use that are sticker shops or planner shops now, you know, in 2021, Mm -hmm. they are black women making stickers and planners and things that look like us, you know, scrapbooking supplies and things that look like us. Um, But that didn't, that wasn't really the case when I really got into this. Like I found a couple of people, but it wasn't the way it is now. Mm -hmm. I would imagine, I mean, just from Googling crochet Mm -hmm. tips or knitting tips on YouTube, I literally ended up finding your channel because you were reviewing yarn and I was like, oh, that's a black girl. Let me click, let me... (laughs) Let me find out who she is because yeah. I don't know no black, you know, nobody around me sews. Well, I have one of my best friend sews, but like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's a black woman. If you scroll, you scroll, you scroll. All you see is, you know, white women. And that's yeah. what it is. They may be good at what they do, but it's nice yeah. to see a sister doing it. So it is. how, how was that? So how do you navigate it, there's just something so refreshing to the soul to yeah. see somebody who looks like you in a space that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. And when I started this up 10 years ago, like there weren't a whole lot of black people at the craft shows. There weren't a lot of, of, of black makers uh, on Etsy. You know, there weren't a lot of black makers that I was able to find on Instagram. We eventually found each other, but it just felt like such a roundabout process, you know? So as a black woman in this space, it's never lost on me how few of us there are. And not only just as makers ourselves, but as people who are offering products and services. Like I think about, you know, crochet authors that I look up to. They're all white women. I think about crochet YouTubers that I watched 10 years ago when I was still trying to get back into this. I don't, I don't remember seeing anybody who looked like me. So to know that, to, to recognize like, Hey, I, not only is there nobody that looks like me, but I'm also looking for someone that looks like me to to think that there is probably somebody else having the same thought saying, I'm looking for somebody who looks like me to give me the confidence to feel like I can enter this space and that I can excel here and that I can learn something here. I'm like, well, if, if I can't find it for myself, let me try and be that for somebody else, for just one other person, some other young lady or somebody who's coming back into crochet, somebody who, you know, maybe this was recommended by one of their friends and they want to feel like they're in a safe space with somebody who understands and looks like and sounds like them I'm like if I can be that person and and especially considering that I'm doing it anyway like I'm already making videos I'm already showing up on social media like let me do that and I and I'm happy I'm happy to do that I'm excited for the opportunity and also excited to see the growth of so many more makers of color entering this space over the last few years yeah and I think it's 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 in addition to the fact that, you know, you're a black woman doing it. You're also young, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you start thinking about just crafting in general, when you yeah. were a younger teenager, you know, when you heard somebody say, I sew, I knit, I make cards, yeah. you just thought it was your grandma. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was usually our grandparents that taught us these types of things. Truth be told, I got into scrapbooking because of my grandmother. Yeah. Like I started paper crafting, um, just in general scrapbooking when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And it was my grandmother who bought a book for, um, she bought these two scrapbooks, like real colorful kind of kitty colors for my little sister and my little cousin. Uh-huh. And she makes the scrapbooks for all of our picnics, our family picnics. And she was like, 
I mean, she has t- tons of them, a whole shelf full of them. And she was like, oh, I didn't buy one for you because you felt like, you know, I felt like this might have been too too young for you. And I was like, no, I want to try it. Like, let's uh-huh. see. This looks cool. You talking about stickers? And like, I can do that. <laughs> so I literally created like a little scrapbook for like high school. And it was just like, oh, I do this. I do this, yeah. do this. Yeah. And it kind of, like you said, high school kind of happened, college happened. I really didn't get into it. Mm-hmm. But the age thing with us too is that we have people that are creating amazing things knitting and sewing and crocheting and making all these these crafts and cards and we're not 70 (laughs) right and isn't that isn't that amazing too now you've got this this uh this concept that transcends generations and not only does it transcend generations but to a degree it's very cool to be a young crafter right now yes, like i'm, I'm looking at like new people coming onto the scenes and i mean you've got teenagers you've got people in college yes. starting etsy shops you've got you know 14 15 16 year olds starting youtube channels to show you how to craft or even just to show off the projects that they're making and i think it's so refreshing that i can look up to people who've been in the craft for ages and have lots to to show and teach me but I can also you know look to this younger generation of crafters to say how are you keeping this fresh how are you keeping this exciting how can you look at this a little bit differently than my mom did or my aunt did or even sometimes I do and and using that to motivate and get me re-excited about this craft. You know, it's it's just a fun, uh, I think it's a fun kind of paradigm shift that happened even over the last couple of years where it just became really fun and exciting and kind of like, I don't know, really trendy to be crafty. And that's, I love yes. it. Yes, I love it. It's such a and it's such a fun community to Mm -hmm. be in, especially too. like it's a great place to be in. Like you said, where we are at this age where we can have that older generation to show us really, really what the basics are and then look to that younger generation. Like I've done that. There is like people who I look up on YouTube that have like, uh, I don't know if you you know about like bullet journaling or things like Mm -hmm. that, but like bullet journaling. And they're like in high school and college, like just drawing up and painting. I'm just like, come on. And what I love about it, too, is that they, they have a different function because they're thinking about it in a specific way that we may not be thinking about it like you know or how to use it a different Mm -hmm. function because they're in a different place in their lives so it's beautiful to watch it is beautiful one thing that I really appreciate about the younger generation coming into craft is they don't put quite so much emphasis on the technique like they just do it yeah like I've watched a video like there's there's this uh, kind of phenomenon happening right now. There's this Harry Styles sweater, and it's it's. I think it was knitted, and he wore it at a concert yeah, or whatever. But I've it's seen it. I've seen a it. Weird looking patchwork sweater, yeah. and. The crochet and knit community went nuts over it. And what I appreciate about watching videos of people making a sweater is they're not obsessing over where the stitches are placed. They're not, you know, wasting time trying to pick the right colors. They just grab yarns that they like. They grab the hook that they had and they're just making the thing and just not overthinking it. It's about the process and the creativity for them. And I think that reminds me, especially as a designer and an educator in this space, that sometimes you, it doesn't have to be such a a rigid like you do A then B then C like like you gotta let that creative process take over and be like you know I'm just gonna share this experience with you I think it's just a a, a cool way to to change the conversation around craft that you just indulge it I agree <laughs> there's a lot uh, of that that ha- has been happening in the like 
paper kind of crafting community as well. I would say with scrapbooking, um, when I kind of got into scrapbooking, it was you have your layouts. These are your pictures you use. Mm -hmm. This is the size picture you use. Maybe you might use different sizes. And so I started like really watching like and looking for layouts to help me figure out how to do it because a 12 by 12 page just really intimidated me. It really did. And so I tried to go smaller and smaller and smaller and really kind of get this idea. And then when I found like mixed media journaling and like the different ways that people were doing memory planning and just taking like what would have been a scrapbook and putting it into your planner Mm -hmm. on a week by week basis. And then I started seeing there's still people who are still doing some of those traditional scrapbooking pages, Mm -hmm. but adding paint and sewing into their scrapbook and all these things I'm like see that's what I needed I needed somebody to tell me it was okay not to have this particular layout but to use color and to use ink and to use stamps and put all this stuff on top of each other and then I started sharing that and I was like wait a minute like wait this I like this like this is cool yeah yeah, so just that different perspective yeah. you know it just I don't know it makes a little light bulb go off definitely I know that you um, are married, as you say, and you're living in um, Ohio, which is not by family um, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, family is, is yeah. another place. How are you balancing of kind of everything with your life and still owning your business? Yeah, I, uh, I that's such an interesting question to me because I feel like it was just this year that I um very intentionally decided that I'm going to start prioritizing my personal life uh because for the last several years since I officially started my business in 2015 it's been a 24/7 TL yarn craft situation right, right. I've been so focused on building this up creating a presence uh engaging the community all of the buzzwords that you hear when you're trying to build a brand i've been so focused on those things and doing it solo with no team that i think um i think i'm kind of getting to this more mature place where i'm like you know instead of doing so much i want to do a little bit but do it all extremely well so that I have way more time to spend time with my husband, keep my home clean, eat better, work out, you know, whatever it is that I want to do with my personal time, I want to prioritize starting now. Um, whereas before, <laughs> before I don't even know that I knew the definition of the word balance. Right. It was, it was, it was, it wake was up in the morning. <laughs> it was hustle. You're absolutely right. That's the word for it. It was a hustle for the last five, six years, especially after I quit my day job. Like I remember that first week after I quit, I was like, okay, I'm just going to say yes to everything. I'm going to sign up for every contract, every influencer gig. I need as much money coming in as possible to show myself and my husband and my family that quitting my day job and losing that, you know, bi-weekly check was a good idea. And I think over time, over time, as, as things continue to go well and, and, you know, T.O. Young Crafts continue to grow at its own pace. I think I'm just a bit more comfortable now where I feel like I can step back just a little bit and I don't have to have that hustle mentality anymore. At this point, it's about uh, really intentional growth and creating a pace that works for me because it's it's just been, this this thing's been growing like a weed for the last five years and now I'm I'm ready to, I'm ready to slow it down a little bit. Yeah, I think that, that it also comes from a mentality 
where especially like you and I, we both went to school together and you know, mm-hmm. you went and got your master's degree and like there's just this thing, this this thing when you go to school, especially mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but as a, a young black kid from the city, like from Detroit, like it was like you go to school, you go to school, you graduate, you get your job and you are yep. a CEO or whatever by the time you're 35. Like that's just like, mm-hmm. what it is. It's yeah. like this track. And then you stop dead in the middle and say, Well, I did the school thing. But there's this other thing over here that like yeah. is really interesting to me. And I just want to try and see if it's going to work because I love it. Everyone looks at you yeah. like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> right. Like, you're going to throw away all that education. Right. Like, it was, <laughs> it was so uh, interesting. Of course, looking back on it now, like when it was happening, I was like, I can't believe this. But it's so interesting to look back and think of the conversations I had to have with people that I loved when I was first considering quitting my job. Um, my parents, bless their hearts, they were um, not excited about the idea because at the time I still had a pretty big mountain of student loan debt. I was kind of just getting moving on my actual career using my degree. Uh, I At that point in 2017, even though I had graduated from college seven years before, I still felt like I was just kind of getting my feet under me. So like you said, when you, when you realize like, hey, there's this creative a career that I'm considering, you know, pursuing, people look at you like, what? Right. You're going to do what now? Right. Like, I I feel like, and, and maybe it's a generational thing. Like, I think our parents had to work really hard to get us to the point where we were college ready, that we were, you know, getting scholarships, that we were able to go off to college yeah. as opposed to having this in town like they worked so hard for that dream the dream of their kids going to college that i think they were taken aback by you know what they might have perceived as me throwing that all away and not appreciating that sacrifice but in my mind i knew that if i didn't pursue this i would always regret it right i would always, always be like thought, you know like what if Right. Like, man, what would things have been like if I did take that leap and quit that job and see where this took me? You know, so it it was one of those moments where I feel like I had to make this adult decision to be like, actually, my life's going to look like this. This is what I'm going to do. And this is more of a heads up than me actually asking if you think this is a good idea. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I want you to know before I tell everybody else. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, that was kind of scary, you know, because because up to that point, I think my parents always looked at it like, you know, you're following the steps, you're ticking the boxes. Like life is looking how it's supposed to look. You go to college, you get a job, you get married, you you know, buy a house, whatever you're supposed to do, quote unquote. And I think I I don't know, I kind of shirked some of that to to pursue what felt like the right choice for me. And you also too, were you a first generation college student? Yep. Yeah. So was yep. I. So that's, oh, yeah. that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, not worse, but like no. it's scarier for them. Sure. Like, wait a minute. Like you the one yeah. we bet on. What you mean? Like, <laughs> You know what? And that's the feeling, right? It's like, you know, everybody's looking at you. Like you, yeah. you went and you went to college, you got the advanced degree, you got married, you moved away. Like there it, it's, it's the pressure of feeling like you had to be the example for your family of all the hard work they did. And now you've come out and and you've 
done all that hard work to, to for them to then feel like, you know, we put you on this track. Right. So you'd feel secure that you would make money, that you would have retirement income and, you know, you work 40 years and then you can go chill for 20 or whatever. You know, that that is the the idea and the mentality that they had. And I think it's just a symptom of our generation that we've got the technology, we've got the opportunity. And now more than ever, we have the time to pursue those other kind of creative endeavors. And it's just, it's a different time, yeah. I think, than our parents' time. It is. And I, I'm I'm glad to be here in this space at this time because yeah. it's given us the opportunity to do what we want, which is not um, to do what we want and still be happy and survive and take care of ourselves yeah. and our families. And that didn't seem like an opportunity that um, our parents or, gra- or grandparents even had. Like to just sit Definitely. back and say, what do I want to do? And then go do that. Like mm-hmm. that's just not something that happened. Yeah, it's I think it's a new concept even, you know, for our for our society that you can that there are so many people doing creative things that aren't like starving artists. <laughs> you know? Like there's a lot That's of what they say. Money. They're like if you want to sing, you want to act, you want to dance, you want to anything, you're basically going to be living on the streets of LA or New York for 20 years and then somebody might walk yeah. past and see you or you might get discovered in a bar. Like that's exactly. how it, that's how they told you. That's what they told you, you know? Exactly. And, and, and I mean, they were right for their time, you know, but now with it, with social media and with the internet, with YouTube and all of that stuff, there's just a lot less risk going into something creative because you can do so much of it on your own. You don't have to depend on an agent or a scout or, you know, a gallery saying, yeah, we really like your stuff. We're going to show it off. You can do it all yourself now. And I think that lowers the risk and it lowers the barrier to entry. And that's why there are so many more of us who are, you know, looking at creative pursuits as a side hustle or quitting our day jobs to be like, you know, I think I can actually make a go of this. And it's, it's exciting because there are so many different avenues to pursue. There's so many different creative opportunities and it's just, I don't know, it's just a different, it's a different time and it's exciting to be in. I'm definitely excited about it. I love it. I love what I do. And just being able to share that with other people, it's just, it's bomb. It really is. It's bomb. I think uh, what you do, like I said, it's not something that I do. The crochet thing Mm -hmm. is something that I've been looking heavily into, doing something with my Uh hands, making all the things. So I am a absolute starter, as in like, all I know how to sew is a button. Uh, Uh So can you tell me what uh, maybe top three tips um, and if you want to give more, that's fine. But top three tips that you would give someone who never crocheted. So uh, one of the first tips I'm going to give someone who's never crocheted before is to try different tools. So there are, there are a few different um, kind of like recognizable crochet hook brands available. One is Susan Bates and one is Boy, spelled B-O-Y-E. And the reason I recommend trying different tools is that those two hooks have some pretty distinct differences. And based on how you move your hands, one might be easier to use than the other. So for example, I'm a Susan Bates girl up and down. It's it's what I learned with and it's all that I can use now. I literally cannot use a boy hook. So if you get one hook and you find that it's not going well or you're having some issues or any kind of hand pain, try a different hook. So that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is, you know, stay open, stay adventurous don't feel like your first project has to be a washcloth. 
You know, maybe your first project is a sweater. Maybe your first project is a pair of socks. Like it's, it's fine to start wherever you feel comfortable. Um, and as much as I love to make things for beginners, I very rarely make what feels like a starter project because I feel that between my teaching and your adventurous spirit, we can make something more exciting than a washcloth. <laughs> so we'll figure it out together. Are you and sure? Because I feel like... <laughs> I am 100% sure, like I'm walking into this with faith in you that we're going to figure this out and that you, because I ultimately want people to walk away with something that they're actually going to use and something that they love and something that they're excited to be like, this was my first project. And not that a washcloth can't be that, but I don't want you to walk into this space kind of pigeonholing yourself and being like, okay, I just got here. All I can make is a washcloth. I don't, that's the mentality that I want right, right. to make sure you don't adopt. So whatever it is that you want to make, we'll find a pattern that fits your skill level and we'll work it out together. Uh, and then my last piece of advice is just to find ways to engage with the maker community. There's so much energy and so much, there, there's just so many people that want to help and want to be part of your success you know, there's people that you can reach out to and be like, hey, I'm stuck on this part of a pattern and I think I'm supposed to do this, but am I supposed to do this? And there are folks that are clamoring to answer your questions. So there's no need to ever feel like any part of your maker experience needs to be on your own. Because there's lots of people looking to help be part of your community. They want to celebrate with you when you do well. They want to help you figure things out when you're stuck. Um, so yeah, just find ways to engage. And and I think there's just a lot of inspiration in our maker community. Definitely is. I got on Instagram and I like just searched some hashtags and there all the tips and tricks and things that people are talking about. I'm like, y'all better come through with the knowledge because I have none. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nothing about this. And you know what? I would be the same if I walked into the paper crafting space. Like there was a there was a moment in time that I used to collect paper for just different, you know, random projects around the house, but I never really considered it like paper itself as the hobby. And I've looked at, you know, different makers, like specifically uh, Damask Love. Do you know her? Oh, know her and love her, girl. Know her and love her. <laughs> So I've never made anything that she's made, but I follow her feed obsessively. Like, you know, I, I show up in these places and I'm like, man, there are some people like really just over and beyond, like they're transcending their own craft to inspire people who've never even tried it before. And I'm sure one day when I have five minutes free, I'll be like, you know, I need to find another hobby. And I definitely think paper crafting could be it because similar to the to the crochet and knit community i feel like paper crafters are just so excited and motivated by what they do and they share a lot of knowledge also yeah same it is it's a wonderful community to be a part of the moment that you think i can't figure out how to do this you go um the moment you think i can't figure out how to do this you go on YouTube, you go on Facebook, you go wherever, and you like look it up, you talk to people, you mess this is how I'm trying to figure out how to do something. And I've messaged someone and said, Hey, I can't figure out this, or where did you get your glue from to make this stick, or what kind of yeah. markers are those? And they'll just answer you, be like, Oh, yeah, this. Like, 
you know, we, mm-hmm. you can figure this out. So I'm like, yeah, bet. Like I'm, I'm with it. Yes. And I've had the same thing happen to me. We were like, how did you put that together? Or what did you use? And I'm like, oh, I use this. I'm excited to talk to people about like just the same way that like, I love your yarn snob series on YouTube and the way that you kind of go through and talk about the differences of the yarn. I'm that way about paper. I'm like, here's the weight. Here's the, what pen you use on it. Here's how you, I mean, I love talking mm-hmm. about it. So it's a great community. And if you ever want to come on, mosey on, dip your, your toe in the pool. Ooh, I will be at the other end waiting for you. You know, you just let me I'm, know. I'm, I'm sitting in my craft room right now and I'm looking around at like, I've got paper cutting tools. I have these two like packs of paper. Reason. I, I have, I feel like in my space, I have all of the supplies for about 10 different crafts. You probably do. It's like, <laughs> like I just need to, you know, I, I get so wrapped up in the business side of this. And also crochet is my number one hobby that, you know, I, I do get excited when I try something new. Like there's this, um, uh, craft service. They do like a monthly subscription and they, and you try different crafts. Like they've had weaving and paper piecing and like origami, just all kinds of stuff. And when I used to sign up for those and get them every month, it was always so exciting to just maybe even take an afternoon and try something new. So I think I might have to, I might have to indulge in that uh, again very soon, just cause it, it gets you, it gets the, the mojo going. Exactly. And like, I never like, I, I know that maybe eventually I get to a point where I'm doing like other crafts, but I understand mm-hmm. why someone like, you know, with everything you do with crocheting and how good you are and how many things it takes to put that together, why it might be like, I'm going to eventually get to paper craft because it's the same way. Like yeah. I want to get into crochet, but I'm like, even just thinking about something like making a car, for example, there's so many dimensions to it and like how you have to mm-hmm. place things and what, and it's just like, you know, all that in your head. And now you want to put some more of that in your head. So Right. That's okay though. We're amazing I, and that's and we'll do it. <laughs> we will. We will make the time, you know, but I but I'm on that same wavelength. It's like for whatever reason, I feel like actually working on other crafts gets me more motivated and excited to work on crochet. Like whenever I'm feeling burnt out with crochet or if I'm having like a, a time where you know, no new ideas are coming to me. I can't design anything. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put the yarn to the side for a minute and play around with something else. And every time without fail, I get an hour, two hours into this other project. And I'm like, huh, idea. Let's grab our hooks again. Let's grab our yarn again. And uh, I, I I often wonder if other makers and creatives are like that. that, Like the moment your main craft is kind of out of sight, out of mind is when that inspiration strikes again. I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird weird situation. Definitely. That's it for this week's episode of the Plan on Purpose podcast. I want to thank Tony for coming through and hanging out with me this week. I had such a fun time talking to her and the conversation was so great. I mean, I told her we could have kept on talking for hours and hours just about crafting. But, you know, we got to let y'all get on, you know, with the rest of the things you need to do. Make sure you check the show notes so you can check out Tony's amazing website she's got all her patterns on there that she's selling and if you are a planner girl who just so happens to crochet I'm telling you you're gonna love it her YouTube channel is also full of tips and tricks and she's also hilarious so I mean there's that 
Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe and leave a review wherever you enjoy your podcast. If you can't leave it on the platform you listen on, don't worry. Come on over to Instagram because we love to hear feedback from the audience. Until next time, I'm here to talk if you're here to listen.